The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org.
of multi-ethnic, multi-racial, and mission-shaped community that, that allow people to experience freedom in Christ and hope for eternal future. And, uh, and I'm excited to share that vision with you guys today and share with you how we have gotten to that point and how we are going to do that. Um, so pray with me before we dive into Father, we are so grateful um, for everything that you're doing. We even praise you for the rain. We know that it's uh, it's hiding behind the clouds, the rain is falling. But Father, we know that you are sovereign, that you are in control, and we praise you for the things that we see and for the things we can't see and the things that you provided that we only realize. We acknowledge that you are moving in and through our lives, whether we have a relationship with your son or not. And I pray that uh, everyone here this morning and those that will watch and listen um, later on, Father, will be encouraged by your word and know that there is no limitation geographically, age, ethnically, uh, socioeconomically on your word and on the power that you have to use your amazing, living, breathing, active word of God to impact the world. Uh, We ask that uh, the Holy Spirit would speak through me this morning, your word. So, um, today I get the privilege of, of sharing with you, and one of the reasons why I call this, because the King James says a little bit that it, it's called the Holy Ghost instead of the Holy Spirit, so I thought ghost stories would be cool, you know, but uh, I don't know, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but I tried. Um, that's all that counts. <laughs> uh, and so today I want to share with you a ghost story, a Holy Ghost story, uh, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, so if you have your Bible turn there. It'll also be on the screen. Please just scroll there. If you have your Bible in there, please turn there. Um, and uh, so I want to share with you a little bit about, about where I'm at now. I work full-time at a high school in Chicago, uh, Newton's Village. It's actually next to the uh, training center. Um, so we have some training centers in Chicago. Uh, my school is, is unique. On paper, it looks amazing. It's, it's a free AP school. Um, we have a law program for our students. We have a coding and Just this past week, we saw five of our students get thousands of dollars worth of scholarships um, to attend different schools throughout Chicago. And it's just been a really cool thing to participate in. Um, but myself, I am the uh, dean of law school student accountability. So I work with some of the behavioral issues. <laughs> I get to fund them, right? So uh, in-school suspensions, out-of-school suspensions, restorative compensations between students and students and teachers. Um, I also deal with social-emotional things as well. And so my job is, is to help better serve our students and our community as a school and also those around us. And it, it can be a bit jarring. It, it can wreck you a little bit. Um, and I just started this in, uh, in April, so this is kind of my first time with them going into the school year. But this past school year, towards the end, there was a moment where population was around 400 people, um, but we have this massive student population. When we first opened, there were 3,000 students in the building. 
gently, you know, she's trying to keep quiet because she's a very young lady. Um, so security and I went to go kind of take her down one of those aisles and brought her down to the emergency room to our office. And um, come to find out she was pregnant. Uh, not only was she pregnant, so I, I you know, so she, I'm asking her, okay, why, why are you fighting? And she starts to cry a little bit. And then I asked her, Approve of. 
towards holiness, and that means there has to be spiritual growth. That means there has to be discipleship. That means there has to be study of his word and of who he is, who he calls you to be. Because God accepts, uh, he accepts any and all who would come to him, but that does not mean he sin and death, what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Jesus became the spotless lamb. He took on your sin and my sin so that we could So when we talk about hell, hell is not, the the fire and and the wailing and gnashing of teeth isn't isn't the worst part. The worst part is that you are separated from the presence of God. Because even people who do not know Jesus still experience his presence. There is an abiding presence through his spirit. And so even the world, as, as dangerous and as difficult and as trying as it is today, knowing that there's sin in the world, but the, the Holy Spirit is still here, that God is still in control. Imagine what it would look like if God was not here. If he did not fill the spirit. How much more worse things And so as we walk by the spirit, that means to submit to the spirit. That means to depend on the spirit. In other words, it means to lean on it, to embrace to put your weight on it. If, if we're not depending on the Spirit of God to, to, to help us, to grow, to move us forward, to speak when we ought to speak, to be still when we need to be still, then what are we doing? Everything we will do will be of our own power and it will have no eternal significance. When we walk according to the flesh, we are allowing the, the sin in our life govern everything that we do. Because here's the thing, sin sin will take you further than you were willing to go. It always will. And it will cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. And by the time you realize it, you will believe that you are you are in pain, that it's too late for you, that there's no way of, of turning back, that God cannot redeem a sinner like you. And that is a lie. Because I know for a fact that my God specializes in taking those who are not just unqualified, but are enemies of God. Persecutors, murderers, thieves, liars, pillagers, people whose lives are riddled with sin. There is an overwhelming abundance of sin in their life. And he does this because the blood of his son redeems them. Because as a Christ follower, here's what God says. I can't remember. I don't see anything you've done. Because all I see is the blood of my son. 
That's what he looks. When he looks at you, he sees the blood that was shed on your behalf. He doesn't see your sin. He sees the representation, the reflection of his son. Verse 5, for those according, uh, for those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. And now, he says, the mindset of, on the, of the flesh is death. It is separation from who God is and His presence and everything that He stands for. But the mindset of the Spirit is life and what? Peace. How many times have we cried out unto God for peace? Peace in your home. Peace at your job. Peace on your commute. Come on. I used to live here. I know what you're talking about. I, I, I understand. You, you need peace and, and, and an abiding presence of peace. And it doesn't mean you're going to be super relaxed and chilled and calm, but it means that there is a peace that dwells within you that cannot be overcome by any stress of life. A peace knowing who Jesus is, who he called you to be, that he's placed you exactly where you are because he wants you to experience the power of his spirit. In verse 7, Paul continues, he says, the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God. Look at that language there. Why it's hostile. That's, that's, that's straight up enemy. That's, that's, I'm playing, I've got blueprints, I've got designs, I've got strategies. I, that's, that's a plan of attack. It's a threat. That means that the mindset of the flesh is completely opposite of the mindset of the spirit. And not only opposite, but wants to destroy the mindset of the spirit. Wants to corrupt, wants to consume. Because he knows that it will hurt the heart of God. And if you are a Christ follower, then we should be trying to capture, the Bible says that we can capture, take captive every thought. That means that you have the ability. It's all about self-control and the fruit of the Spirit. It is about controlling and capturing the thoughts of our minds and putting them toward Jesus. To think on things that are pure, to think on things that are noble and true and righteous and joyful. To think on the God who is all those things and more. But when we get so caught up on what we see on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, we lose sight of who he is. Instead of focusing on who he's called us to be. He says the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God. Why? Because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And then he goes on to say, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. I want to encourage you this morning with this this that the Holy Spirit empowers you to live the life Jesus bought the Holy Spirit empowers you to live the life Jesus bought many of the early Christians 
6, uh, in Acts chapter 11, I believe, we see that there are some common characteristics. They actually describe them as being full of the Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. Which begs the question, how do people describe Jesus? How do people describe Jesus? And the thing that, that, that some characteristics that they had, that the early church had, is that they were courageous. They were bold. Uh, when the, after the, the early church got together, after we see Peter um, preach uh, from the upper room and 3,000 people were added to the number of that day, uh, the, the apostles met together and they prayed together. And as they did this, they didn't ask God for security. They didn't ask him for provision or food. They didn't ask him for a horse to go from town to town. They didn't ask him for protection for their family. You know what they asked him? They asked God, help us to boldly proclaim your word. Boldly proclaim your word. Why? Why out of all the things would they emphasize this? Why would that be their sole prayer? Is God help me to be bold? Why? Because it's difficult to be bold in a world that wants to destroy everything you stand for. It's difficult to be bold when you want to when you love someone enough, but you don't you don't want to hinder them. You don't want you, you don't want them to leave your life, but you also want them to know the one who gives life. It's difficult to be bold going from town to town, knowing in their day they would be killed for the cause of Christ. So they didn't ask for provision. They didn't ask for those things. They said, God, make me bold. Give me boldness. Let your spirit fill me with to boldly proclaim your, your, your truth. Not just to, to water it down, not just to go to, to touch ground about it, but to boldly proclaim the truth is that they persecuted and killed the Messiah and that he rose again for their sin on their behalf. And that he was calling them into something different. He wasn't the Messiah that they were expecting. They were expecting someone to overthrow the government. They weren't expecting the king of the universe to overthrow the spiritual government that we experience and that we live in. How do people describe Jesus? See, we have to understand that, that in the spirit there is no condemnation. But without the Spirit, living in the ways of the flesh, having the mindset of the flesh, you are in perpetual bondage to things that are enemies with God. Because we have to understand that the Spirit brings life because it is essentially life itself. It's like when we say that God is loving, yes, but He is love. He is the source of love. See, we have, we have attributes, and we attribute love and joy and grace to God because that's the only way humanly possible we can explain it. But love and grace and mercy are not attributes of God. It's in his nature. It's who he is. How do you think you came to know what love is, what grace looks like, what joy feels like? It's because there is a source, and that source created you in his image. We ought to understand and recognize that the things and, and the attributes that we cherish in one another and even in ourselves don't even come from us. They come from the Father above, who, who is the Father of light, the giver of good gifts. The 
Holy Spirit empowers you to capture your call. Francis Chan wrote a book called Forgotten God, and it's a whole book on the Holy Spirit and how the church has forgotten him, pushed him aside, neglected him, forgotten to teach about him and understand who he is, that he is God. He is not some offshoot of who God is. He is God. Because we see that in Genesis, we see uh, the, the, the Bible shows us that they're talking that who shall, you know, let us, let us make man in our own image, right? We see that the Holy Spirit dwells over the face of the deep. In Isaiah, we see that uh, they're, they're having that conversation, who shall we send, who will go for us? Um, when they built the Tower of Babel, it says, let us go down and speak their language. It was God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The same way we acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God, is God, we ought to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is God, because he, he, he fulfills the promise that Emmanuel, God, with us, but is not just with me, he is within me. See, that's the beauty of Jesus, is that whenever he promises or, or he delivers, he does more abundantly than you can ask or think or imagine, because that's how he is, that's who he is. It's a part of his nature and his character, and we can only expect God to give me enough. And he's going to say, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to give you enough, but I'm going to give you more than enough. I'm going to give you something that you didn't even ask for. You didn't even have the words to ask for. You didn't even know that was coming your way. And he's going to design something for you, and he's going to bless those around you. In this book, I really wanted to read this quote because I, I love it. He says, Francis Chan says, if I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. I believe that this missing something is actually a missing someone, namely the Holy Spirit. Without him, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human-sized results. The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation, and the church is not, is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but take notice. Here's what we, what we see, what we experience, is that through the power of the Spirit, God will enable you to experience something so great and so miraculous and so wonderful that you can't even put into words what it is that you experience. When was the last time you sought after the Holy Spirit? Now, I will say that my wife, you know, we, we both cook, and my wife's all about the coffee. She loves coffee. So I'm more of a seasoned man. So if something is, is seasoned, so for my birthday was September 11th, and uh, we live like 10 minutes away from one of the best uh, barbecue places in Chicago. Let me, let me get into this real quick. Um, and so for my birthday, it's Fifth Avenue. I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to have some coffee. That's all I want. That's all I want. I go to this place, and I order a full-size rib. Giant silver tray. I want cornbread. I want mac and cheese. Um, what else did I get? I don't know. It was just a whole giant stack of, I just wanted the ribs. They gave me everything else. So I said, I'll take it. 
And so I got there and I ordered St. Louis style ribs with some glory and father. And they, they came to me. My wife was carrying this food over. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it was like there was an angelic fire behind me. No one could see it or hear it except for me. So things are happening, and, and, the, and, and the ribs come to me, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. She goes, don't you want to try any of the sauces? I was like, what for? You don't need sauce with these. Like, you don't need sauce. They're perfect. And when, when I prayed, I prayed similarly. I prayed, God, season my lips with your season my tongue with your peace. Because in my work environment, I can't do that by myself. And those who try get annoyed, they get frustrated, and they just give up. But when you realize that where you are in your job right now, in your home, as a teenager, in your school, right now, where you are, that God may have you there because something tastes good, you don't eat just one. Right? No one has the willpower. I've never met a person, man, woman, or child, that's just like, oh, that tastes good. And just leaves it there. I'm like, no, what's wrong with you? Deliciosity right there in front of you. You finish what you start. <laughs> no, you don't. No, no, no. We, we, if we're salt and light, that means we, we've got to add some seasoning, some flavor. I gotta be Add some pepper into my life. Give me some spice. Give me some salt that's going to purify and cure me. Give me give me some thyme. Give me some oregano, some basil. You know, spice it up in there because I need your truth. I need your grace. I need your spirit. And here's what I know to be true is that the Holy Spirit empowers you to kill the sin in your life. Not just to, not just to overcome it, but to utterly destroy it. Because here's, here's what the devil does. If he can win on the battlefield of your mind, he's got your heart. He's got your thoughts. He's got your emotions. He's got what you look at. He's got what you touch. He's got where you go. Because it, 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 you don't do anything first without thinking something. Whether it's a reflex or a default of your mind or not. If, if he can conquer on the battlefield of your mind, then he has won the ground. But as you, as you ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, use your word, empower me, equip me to overcome and thwart the, the, the darts of the enemy. And, and it allows you to kill the things in your life that are enemies to God. Because in verse 10 of Romans 8, we see that the body represents the whole person, not just your physical shell. It's your emotion, your, your will, your personality. And so this was what Paul's meaning when he used this word. And he meant, like, the body is dead. The body is mortal. It means that it remains subject to death. Why? Because of sin. Because of the mindset of the flesh. But the mindset of the spirit comes, and the mindset of the spirit comes to bring you life. To bring you an abundant life. An overflowing life. That you cannot experience without knowing who Jesus is.
we have to understand that there are things that are going to come to you. There are things that are going to happen in your life that are going to stir the pot of your life. There's going to be trouble. So my wife and I, we moved to Chicago in, in March. And uh, the week we were supposed to move, that Sunday, Image, where I was pastor, guest pastor, was going to throw this huge party for us. It was going to be awesome. We were going to laugh and tears would flow. And then we changed it. Because that's what we do. We celebrate change. Um, and uh, so we were going to do that that Sunday. Well, we couldn't because the power line fell in the parking lot. So the power line fell. There's no power in the building. So we had to go to a church meeting. Later on that week, we found out my wife had a kidney stone. Not only was the kidney stone so painful, she had to have surgery to remove it. So now we delayed our timeline of moving. My father-in-law had come, um, and he had driven, he packed up the U-Haul. He had driven our stuff from uh, here in Woodbridge to our apartment in Chicago, which we had never been in, by the way. Um, we, had, we had leased this apartment, never been in it. Um, when we did see it, it was through Google Hangout. And the guys who lived there, you know, it was like two dudes who lived there, you know, I, I was okay, but my wife was like, oh, my gosh, you know, it looked terrible. Um, and so, you know, they're like, they're our, our real estate, he's like, oh, they'll clean it, they'll clean it. Like, she's like, oh, I hope so. I hope my, my, for my sake, too, I really hope so. I really hope they do. All this is, is transpiring. And then the day that Tiff was going to surgery, we uh, had a Zoom call. I get a text from the church that was set to hire me. Telling me that they weren't going to hire me for two weeks. And my wife hadn't worked for about two weeks. So I had to continue. We signed a lease for a year of a place in Chicago we had never been. I had no job. My wife hadn't worked for a couple weeks. What do you do? Who do you go to? I remember my wife. House in Bateman, and she's crying. She's in pain. She's frustrated. And I'm kneeling at her bed, and I've got I'm holding her hand, and 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 she's crying, and she's like, "Where should we even go? Where should we even go?" And and my wife cried now. Because it's not, I don't think Joy is left. She knows it, but I can't stand to watch her cry. So she starts crying. I'm like, I'm not leaving. I want to talk to you. But. So she, we're both there crying, and uh, she asked the question, she said, Tiff, do you believe we're called? And we both said yes. And I told her, I said, I really do believe we're called. But who will ever choose us? Who's going to do it?
Holy Spirit empowered us in that moment to move to a place we can never live, to a place where there are no friends, there is, there's no family. We didn't know anybody in Chicago. And, and now I have no job. And I'm like, okay, where, where are we going to do? I'll find a job. And then come to find out at the school, they come to find out they're looking for a man of color. How awesome do you hear that for a job? I'm over here like, where, where can I go? And they're like, we want you, giant black man. <laughs> I walk into the, to the principal's office, and the assistant principal is sitting there. And, and literally, I, I, I walked in, and I introduced myself, and, and the principal looked at me and goes, yes, And they offered me the job there on the spot, and, and I've been working there ever since. But it, 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 because of the Holy Spirit, because we were obedient to the call, because we were empowered by God to do this, we were able to experience so many amazing things that God has us. Because without us going, we wouldn't have had a summer where we got to meet and greet and connect with families of different faiths and, and welcome them and them welcome us into the community to build relationships with people who are hard and, and broken, where their lives are not just broken, they're shattered beyond belief, and they need hope. They need freedom from their chains of sin. And we come bearing in our own bodies the gift, the, the ultimate gift, and the ultimate giver named Jesus. And if we are empowered by the Spirit, then there is nothing we should fear. There is nothing to dismay. There is no despair that can overcome me because I know that my God has equipped me and he's called me to do this work. So regardless of what anyone says, I'll be in Chicago making disciples of students and of young men and of young women with my wife and building a congregation, building a place that's going to impact one of the largest cities in the world. Why? Because I have been called to do so, and I know for a fact that according to the word of God, he has the power, not me, he has the power, and he wants to use me as a vessel. So by all means, use me. Because I want to see you do something great. And when you begin to dwell in a life that is consumed and empowered by the Holy Spirit, other people around you will begin to be blessed, and they not even know why. Like, if you ever think about and break down the little boy who brought his lunch to Jesus in his little tin lunch box, and he fed, Jesus took that and fed over 20,000 people, do you think that everyone in that crowd knew that they were eating miracle fish and bread? Only the people up there who were watching him pray and break and break and break and break and it not ceasing would understand what was going on. But the people in the back had no idea that because of a little boy's willingness to give and of, 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 of Jesus' prayer over the food, that they were eating something, they were eating something that no one could have paid for, that no one in the crowd had the money to afford all of them lunch. Not only did he do it, but they had leftovers. So you know it's good. rather than pursuing our own flesh. This is the beauty of the gospel, that Jesus came to sacrifice the spotless lamb of God. He took on your and my sin. He was beaten, bloody, 
Thank you. 